You know how a person can, you know, face change and go through it with courage, even when everything else has failed? Have you ever faced a situation that really opened up your mind to new possibilities? Can you imagine that feeling of opening up? Grab it like a firefly, hold it in your hand, anytime you like? And who are you when this is happening, as if it were happening right here, right now? Dash. The large wood-paneled room was empty of furniture. The odd thing about the wall panels was their shape, hexagons, rather than squares. A hexagonal pattern also dominated the floor tiles in the room, in which six guests stood, four women, their eyes half-glazed. Before them was a large screen, from which the voices had come. Two sets of voices could be heard, both female. Their voices translated to non-repeating spiral patterns on the dark screen background. Are you ready to belong? Asked one of the voices. Yes, all six said, in unison, with soft voices and blank expressions. Double doors to the left of the big screen opened outwards with a low electronic hum. One of the six people adjusted his horn-rimmed glasses, letting the tiny concealed lens in the corner get a better view. Then come to us, said one of the voices. Come and join us, said the other voice. In the spiral room, both voices said in chorus. Dash. They entered a changing room, where each of the six saw a neatly folded yellow robe on a bench, with their name on a card on top. Beside the robes were small wire baskets, carefully labeled with their names. Two baskets each, one for clothing, one for personal effects. The man with the glasses looked in confusion for his name label before remembering that he was Walter Cardo MP here. He saw the others putting their personal effects into the wire baskets, keys, cell phones, tablets, wristwatches, wallets and handbags. He filled his basket with the rest of his personal effects, then stripped off along with the others, tossing his clothes into the larger labeled basket. It was stimulating to see the naked female flesh, but the pleasure was all too brief as the robes covered every part of the boy save the head, hands, wrists, feet, and ankles. Finally dressed, he followed the others through the double doors on the opposite side of the room, which led into a vestibule and a spiral staircase at the far end, leading downwards. An elevator on the left provided access to people who would otherwise have found the stairs impossible. The others filed through the vestibule in single file, and began to descend the stairs. Walter Cardew peered over the railing and whistled. The stairs went down a long way. For a moment, he felt tempted to get into the elevator and take the shortcut down, but quickly decided against it, he had to maintain his cover and Walter Cardew was a mountain climber in his spare time, so heights would never bother him. The reporter rushed down the stairs, joining the party as they slowly made their way down the counterclockwise stairs, past softly flashing lights which changed their colors in unison, cycling through the colors of the rainbow every 15 seconds in what was a very hypnotic, rhythmic display. As the group descended, their footsteps slowed and synchronized, their breathing slowed and deepened, and they began breathing in unison, as the spell of the lights and the monotony of the descent acted upon them like a spiraling mandala. At the foot of the stairs, a set of double doors opened into a much larger circular dome chamber. The walls and floor were honey-colored, the walls themselves lined with hexagonal patterns. A ramp along the perimeter of the room spiraled down towards the sunken circular central area, which had a central podium. Six large, flat screens stood around the edge of this sunken area, and the reporter could see some sort of spiraling patterns on the screens. He felt strangely relaxed, dizzy, and calm. 
he had wanted to ask the other participants a thousand questions before coming with them down the stairs, but something about the descent seemed to blow those questions out of his head on a gentle breeze, along with much of his consciousness and self-awareness. Meekly, he followed the others into the central space, and stood facing the podium, waiting, gazing at the pretty spiral. As he gazed at the spiral on the screen opposite him, he heard the words, echoing in the chamber. As you find yourself drawn to the display opposite you, you notice the feel of your robe, the cool floor beneath you, and the pattern of your breathing, and the captivating spiral, because that means that you are relaxing more deeply and focusing on what you are seeing, to the point where this is the only thing you see. And as this becomes the only thing you see, the only thing you are aware of, you are aware that you no longer need to wear what you are wearing, which means that you can now safely remove it, completely, and free yourself from the weight of your clothing. And you can experience this peace and pleasure as if you were dropping further into a state of relaxation and trance, and as you realize this, you now sink to your knees, relieved of the burden of thought that has weighed on your mind. And now you are almost ready, and you are dressed for the part, and you have adopted the correct posture of supplication, and your mind is unburdened of thought, and you are ready to the point where you now notice that you are entering a deep trance and, at this moment, when you are ready, you will enter trance, and the part of your mind that is unconscious will signal that you are ready by saying hello. The reporter's mind, drifting, barely noticed his lips framing the word hello, as if he were trying to force the word out in a dream. Part of him was vaguely aware of movement behind him, and hands taking the glasses off his head. His body remained unresisting, even as hands clasped his hands and a soft feminine voice, one of those he had been hearing since he entered the building, commanded him to rise to his feet. He could see that they were wearing silk robes, and they were barefoot. You are so deep, now, the voice said. Tell me your real name, now, because it isn't Walter Cardew. Tim Riggs, the reporter said. Who are you working for? The Herald, Tim said. A reporter, said a second woman's voice. Our source was right, Charlie. They did send in someone to spy on us. Not now, Mike, the first voice said. Take the others. I'll deal with the reporter. She turned to the reporter. You can watch. The woman called Mike turned towards the five other people who were gathered about the podium, naked, on their knees, staring blankly at the spiral on the screens. And now, Mike said, you are so eager to go further into a deep trance, and you know who, at this moment, you are, in this place, where you are deep, and who you are when you are, back then, when you were beginning this journey. Tim watched the looks on the faces of the five people as they stared at Mike, kneeling, rapt. Her words were deepening the blank looks in their eyes, and their rapt attention gave slowly away to empty subservience. And now, what you want most of all, said Mike, is to stand up and continue to sink into a deep, satisfying, relaxing trance, because you must learn that obedience brings pleasure. Say it. Obedience brings pleasure, they replied. Again. Obedience brings pleasure, they repeated, their voices softer as the trance took deeper hold and their conscious minds drifted further. And you know, Mike said, you need to share that pleasure with the others, don't you? Yes, they replied, slowly stepping closer towards one another, their sexual arousal increasing, their breath deepening. You need to share the sense of touch, Mike said. Breathing deepened into ragged panting as hands reached for bare skin, fingertips caressing arms the sides of necks, earlobes, stomachs, the sides and undersides of breasts, thighs and buttocks. Fingernails raked backs, and stroked erect penises, producing shuddering groans from the men. You are unity, 
the woman said, as the guests descended into a pile of hands, legs and thrusting organs. We are unity, they gasped, as penises and fingers thrust into vaginas. We are almost ready, the second woman said. Second stage conditioning will continue upstairs. The first woman, Charlie, caught the reporter's chin in her hand and turned his head towards her, so he could see her face. Don't you want to know more, Mr. Riggs? She asked. Yes, Tim replied. In that case, Charlie said, smiling, I can be of help to you there. She crossed over to the podium, and slipped on something over her face. A gas mask. Mike had already slipped hers on, and activated a switch on the column. Tim's head swam, and he and the others coughed. A thin mist began to rise from vents in the floor and under the ramp. Tim's eyes began to blur. Why, he whispered, as he collapsed in unconsciousness along with the others. Simple, said Charlie, smiling behind the gas mask. You are not quite unity. In order to join us, you need a little, adjustment. 